Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 28th of May, year of our Lord, 2020. Go a day early because there's so much stuff happening. It's out of control. And because of that, we will have a two-part show today. A will be news and social media nuggets. And B will be politics because, wow, there's a lot of outrage online. We got walkers in a park. We got a pretty bad case in Minneapolis that's now been turned worse by protesters. So we're going to front load that and get it out of the, you know, out of the way because it's, it's pretty long. Uh, even have some Planned Parenthood admitting they sold body parts, even though the media said that was deceptively edited. It wasn't real. Hmm. But first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to Dublin, Ireland. Wow. Dublin, thanks for listening. I, I looked at the stats, it's been a good month for listens from what I can track on SoundCloud, which doesn't grab every listen. And there was a, like 83 listens, Dublin. So using my SWAT watch fucking calculator, it's about 120 is what I've told you kind of add because it's never right in SoundCloud. Still one of my favorite Memories from the war, that's where we landed on the way back from Afghanistan 1 in 2002. And I had Guinness on tap in a airport bar that had military patches, which we put our Roxxon helmet patches, which were just coming out, and the 187 infantry patches up on this wall they had in the middle of the airport. Standing ovation when we walked in, standing ovation when we walked out. I literally was the last person off, the last person on, and I was teary-eyed getting on. The standing ovation we got from uh, Ireland, you know, citizens and American citizens was, uh, wow. It was really nice. It was the nicest welcome we got, really. Um, our homecoming was great. I mean, we had our families there, but it was so prolonged, and the families were just like, can we get the fuck out of this building with no air conditioning? Because they hadn't worked out the way to do homecomings yet, so... We literally, uh, by the time we got in there, those poor people had been sitting there for three hours uh, in a building with no AC, with no water, no nothing. It was just miserable. Um, my wife was so upset because she got all dolled up and her hair, when it hits humidity, frizzes. And so it frizzed and she was just upset. And I kept telling her, I don't give a shit, you're gorgeous, because I've been dreaming about your face for fucking eight months. So, um, But anyway, Ireland, thank you for listening Fond memories, I will always remember that beer in the Ireland airport while we're waiting for refueling, because uh, we couldn't leave the airport, because I sure the hell wanted to. Loved to have seen Ireland. So, we're going to do some stuff up front really quick, and then we'll go into our news and social media nuggets, and, and it's a big thing in our political section, but I think it pretty much sums up what's wrong with our media, social media, everything we talk about. Yoel Roth. He is in charge of Twitter integrity. Uh, 
He's the guy that's supposed to make sure that they're applying the rules fairly. And as most of you know, uh, and we will cover briefly today because you probably already know, they are putting fact checks on Trump tweets now because, well, it's an election year. So, of course, they do that. They're not going to put them on Biden's tweets or CNN's tweets or fucking all the crazy shit Jim Acosta says. No, we're not putting it on there. We're putting it on Trump tweets. Well, the problem is somebody decided to check out his personal Twitter page, and this is what we find on the guy that's supposed to be the objective dude for Twitter policy. His first one is why I literally have a podcast. I'm just saying we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for a reason. That's why I call us flyover politic. We're just a bunch of yokels down here. John Levine's the one that did this, the person in the head of the site integrity at Twitter. His next tweet, today on Meet the Press, we're speaking with Joseph Goebbels about the first 100 days, what I hear whenever Kellyanne is on the news show. There's your Nazi. It's almost like that comic, here's your sign. Next one, yes, that person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. There's your second Nazi. And then last, how does a personal, how does a personality free bag of farts like Mitch McConnell actually win elections? He doesn't have a big following because only 13 people like that. So he must not be in with the lib crowd. But yeah. That guy's in charge of integrity. You, you go down, um, head of site integrity, senior manager, trusted safety, manager, trusted safety, senior product, trust partner, product, trust partner. Yoel's the head of site integrity of Twitter. He leads the team's responsibility for developing and enforcing Twitter rules on platform manipulation, spam, and API, and attribution efforts related to state-backed information operation. state back. Before join, joining Twitter, you all received a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania. His research and teaching focused on the intersecting dynamics of privacy, safety, and self-expression. People's reply, if everyone's sharing all these fucking Biden memes on Facebook, donated, oh, I'm sorry, this is another one of his tweets, my bad. If everyone's sharing all these fucking Biden memes on Facebook, donated $5 to Planned Parenthood instead, they wouldn't need federal funding. A.G. Hamilton. This wouldn't be nearly as big as the deal if Twitter hadn't developed such a terrible record of selective enforcement of the rules. Now it makes it seem like the personal choices have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Another reply. Yeah, this guy just screams integrity. How this kid gets to edit the tweets of the U.S. president is beyond me and it's laughable. And yes, it was edited. They added something to someone's tweet. That is an edit. Understand... The tweet was about mail-in ballots, which we've already had one story break, and it was on AP once. Something like 25 million ballots have been lost. Here, we had the uh, Democrat official stuffing ballots, and now we have mailman charged with attempted election fraud, changed mail-in ballots that were given out due to pandemic, feds say. So to say liberals don't fuck with the ballot is fucking horse shit. They do. They they do. That's what they do. 
So the rest we'll save. It's COVID. It's Memorial Day. And let's go into our news and social media nuggets. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Now, being that everything is racist is our bunny shot today, I would put it up front, new social media nuggets, but I want to get warmed up, you know. <clears throat> Anybody's been following the show. The beginning of the show is kind of choppy as I'm starting to get my mojo on, and by the time I get the good parts, it's, you know, I'm warmed up. Plus, gay shit is a great way to warm up. And as you can see, that is a Pixar new fucking content for Disney Plus, which I canceled the moment I read this. A fully gay character in a cartoon for kids. Ever proving how this is just brainwash. Everything's brainwash. And how do I know? TV is their tool. We talk about it all the time. Glad demands 25%. It's never ending. Here are just the articles from The Advocate. And I won't read them. I'm, I'm just going to highlight them. Hightown's Monica Raymond on playing a fully realized lesbian lead. Fully realized. I guess before when we just sucked face and molested each other and the L word, that wasn't a fully realized and that every fucking show... In fact, I just watched The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker... Whatever the fuck the last one was. I, once again. <clears throat> used to just be Star Wars, uh, Revenge of the fucking Empire, and the... Whatever the fuck. The first three. <laughs> and then we come out with all this crazy shit. Now it's Nine, New Hope, and... Jesus Christ, I can't keep up with that. Anyway, but the ending of that even... They had two lesbians kissing after they killed the Last Order. But I guess this is better that the first 15 minutes of the show was just gay shit. Thus, me and my wife shut it off. Not because we're homophobic, but because we're not going to watch a show that is just agenda-driven. I wouldn't watch a show that is just about a bunch of people getting guns. And I'm a gun guy. That just wouldn't be... It's like the the, the, the big mini-series they rolled out for gayness. We Rise. Nobody watched it. 
gay people didn't watch it. Because remember, they truly believe it's 25% of the country's gay. But it's only 4.5% and 7.7% transgender, which puts you at 5.4%. That's the one Tony Reid uses. But the 5.4% didn't watch that show. And it was their show. It's more, as we'll see in Everything's Racist, it's really not the gay people. It's really not the black people. They're not the people that get butthurt over this shit. It's white liberals. They're the ones pushing it. Great segue. I, I, I don't remember what it was. Let me read that damn tweet because I was really surprised that A, when I, when I sent the tweet, I thought I was going to timeout. I mean, I just did. I thought I was going to timeout because, you know, I wasn't supposed to say shit like this. But, um, where the hell it is it? Uh, nope. Oh, it was an African American named Ali Rizwa. Rizwan. And a bunch of his followers that are African American. And he said something. What did he say? Let me let me get the tweet thread because I'm just fucking this up by the numbers. What the fuck? Here it is. Um, in 2000. Oh, it's a Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. And I'm put, kind of putting the... Well, fuck it. I don't think I was even covered at the podcast. In 2000, while on SNL, I made a terrible decision to do an impersonation of Chris Rock while in blackface. There's no excuse for this. I'm very sorry for making this unquestionably offensive decision. Thank all of you for holding me accountable. So I f- saw this. It was trending on Twitter for one day. And then they took it off because he's an ally. If he was, you know, say a conservative comedian, that shit would still be up, but it was gone, and I told him, don't bow, don't you fucking bow to the cancel culture, you you didn't do anything wrong, at this time in 2000, people did blackface for comedy, it wasn't disrespectful, Chris Rock didn't care, nobody cared, so this guy, who's an African American, he said something on the same line. I may not speak for all people of color, but I know that a good portion of us don't really care if someone dresses up in black, brown, or any other face if it's not meant to be racist. The man is playing Chris Rock. I remember I told my mom about the Trudeau incident, and she and he goes on about a bunch of other shit. But the fact of the matter is, he nails it. It's context. It's what white liberals don't use anymore because they got Twitter. They got to be able to cancel anybody they wanted companies businesses they got control and they're all a bunch of hateful people who hate themselves because they're not black or they're not this or they're not that so they fucking just trash people because they take things out of context so i replied to him and once again when i replied i thought i was done it's never poc who have a problem with half the stuff the outrage machine outrage machine dreams up it's virtue singling white liberals They spend every day hating themselves for not being POC or having abortions or what have you. Going back to Lena Dunham, I wish I had an abortion. And take their hate out on Twitter in constant outrage. Him and his following liked my tweet like 20 times. Because that's what this shit is. For the gay, for the black. I mean, today we have a crossover story because... 
the guy that was fucked up by the dog walker was actually a gay black guy, so the gays wanted the credit and the African Americans wanted the credit. But it wasn't the African Americans and it wasn't POC gay. It's just white liberals. That's what they do. They feign outrage over the dumbest shit because that's how they get to assert power on other people. So this whole thing about Hightown and Pixar, no. And our next one, a gay director helps Homecoming Season 2 find its queer lens. What does that mean? Does that mean the lens fucks other lenses? I mean, what the fuck does that mean? Queer lens. And you know why they say that? Because I did watch season one of Homecoming. About six episodes in and then I quit. I just, it's a dumb show. It had a great premise, but it never went anywhere and it was just too confusing and it was 30 minute shows, so you expected it to go somewhere. But there was no gayness in it. So my assumption is they hired a gay director and then all of a sudden we had gay characters, which is so important. Because we need representation. Never mind that that show didn't represent military people very well. They show us like a bunch of fucking angry people that all have PTSD and want to hurt people. Yeah, that's what the show was about. And some company was feeding them medicine that made them forget all their traumas so they can go back and kill more people. Because that's all soldiers are. Killers. There's some truth in that, but goddamn, dude. That's your show? Really? That's what you went for. That's what you went for. 20 years of combat. That's the show they came up with. See? But you don't see me going to Twitter and saying, hey, 1% of the country fights. Less than 1%. 1% serves. Yet we have no shows. We have SEAL Team. Which isn't about the 1%. It's about the .01% of badasses that can make it through fucking buds. And do... Very small amount of missions. So, yeah, that's not a show about military. I bitched about it on the show all the time. Well, well, we had 12 strong. That was it. Lone survivor. And even when they do it, they can't even do the story right. They got to embellish it. Nobody got hurt in 12 strong. Marky Mark didn't die in Lone Survivor. He wasn't dead. They didn't have to revive him. Well, they had to sexify it. Make it more sexy. We need more carnage. Anyway, quick hits from the advocate. New York City Fire Department gets first lesbian battalion chief. Because that's so important. France goes, hold my fucking beer. Marie Cow is the first trans mayor ever elected in France. Problem is, she's a white tranny dude that wears a dress, so it doesn't count really. Fortune Femster comedy is for all queers without a voice. You don't have a voice, queer people. Really. You sticking to that? Because I think you got like 9,000 web pages, and clearly all we do is gay characters, so I'm thinking you got a voice. Woman who allegedly killed wife with wine chiller apprehended. That's the story. About two women got killed because of homophobia, but it was actually her spouse. Yeah, I think I called that one, but, you know, whatever. B.D. Wong, activist Amazing Lathin, Lathai, I don't know, on being Asian and LGBTQ in 2020. 
It's the same old Chinese virus and economic strain that has disproportionately affected the LGBTQ plus community. Whoa, stop. I thought it disproportionately affected African Americans. It can't be both, unless we're talking black trannies, which is the intersectionality fucking, you get $200, go pass go, you know, Monopoly board fucking, you pull that card, you're good, bro. You gotta do all sorts of shit. <laughs> and I had in my notes to play bells ringing, because now we get into the point where we have the crossover. Christian Cooper, black victim of racist New York City incident, is a gay editor. They want this one, but they didn't get it. As we go into everything racist, no, 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 no. That goes back to the original grievance department, the race hustlers. Everything is racist. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please, please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. I'm taking pictures and calling the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. Excuse me? Thank you. So I can't just go to normal media. I gotta go to the root. There's an African American man threatening my life. Karen calls police on black man for asking her to leash her dogs. I'm not gonna read the article because it's, you know, it it's just fucking the dumbest thing ever. First and foremost, she's a bitch. She's a bitch. I'm not saying she's not a bitch. But not on the tape, and everybody knows not on the tape. He said, well, you're going to do what you're going to do, but you're not going to like what I'm going to do. So he kind of threatens this lady, who then sets her off, and she just happened to fail in PC etiquette, and she said there's a black African American. Because she said African American twice... She became labeled a racist. And by the end of the day, Franklin Templeton, following our internal review of the incident in Central Park yesterday, we have made the decision to terminate the employee involved effective immediately. Do not tolerate racism of any kind at Franklin Templeton. She, on CNN, apologized. Amy Cooper told CNN she wanted to publicly apologize to everyone. I'm not a racist. I did not mean to harm the man in any way, she said. 
She just got scared. The incident in question exploded on social media. Cooper posted a video of an encounter. He and his Central Park with a woman who was violating park rules by failing to leash her dog. Later identified Miss Cooper in the video. Miss Cooper tells Mr. Cooper that she intended to call police and tell them that an African-American man has parked threatening her life and then proceeds to do just that. Miss Cooper later apologized to everyone. Blake News. Angry Twitter user took down the website of an investment company with $700 billion on assets because people think one of its employees was a lady behaving abhorrently in the park. John Levine, if I was a woman alone in a park with my dog and a random man starts getting in my business unprovoked and then tells me, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, and then tried to lure my dog away from me, I might have called the cops too. Her, Christian Cooper, said to park this morning, this woman's dog is tearing through the park, planting in the ramble, and he tries to explain what he did. Carmen Sabine, for those confused about the Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper saga, this is a Reader's Digest version. Two elitist liberal douches met in a park. It was so big. I saw it live while I was waiting for service on my wife's pimp sled. And Gail King was just shocked. Innumerable examples of African Americans falsely accused who have been imprisoned, shot, lynched. And as Attorney Orleans points out, I shudder to think what would have happened if Mr. Cooper had not been filming. Once again, I say, thank goodness that there's videotape. You know, I think as the daughter of a black man and the mother of a black man, this is really too much for me today. I'm still rattled by that last story. And she's practically strangling her dog, practically strangling her dog to make these false accusations against another black man. I'm still so upset, Vlad. I'm so sorry. I'm still so upset by that last story where the man is handcuffed underneath a car where people are pleading, please, he can't breathe, and we're watching a man die. So we go from that story now to this story where she falsely accuses a black man on television. I mean, I, I don't even know what to do or how to handle this at this particular time. I know that this is... I, 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 I am speechless. I'm really, really speechless about what we're seeing on television this morning. It feels to me like an open season and that it's just a not sometimes a safe place to be in this country for black men. And today is too much for me. Tony and Anthony, I, I'm going to turn it over to you, too. Yeah. Tony. That video, it went, went, that video went from bad to worse, and the elevated panic in her voice, the performance in order to, to heighten the situation for 911 is 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 really off-putting and i want to point out also that the the individual who was filming it who was accusing her of not leashing her dog that may seem like he's being a nudge or he shouldn't be you know policing these minor laws those laws are really important when you live in a city uh and he's a birder bird people know those laws are really important for birds uh so it, it wasn't a minor thing and her escalation uh no. it was just totally inappropriate anthony no. Yeah, she she was actually, it wasn't he was threatening her, she was actually threatening him, as you watch the video. Uh, I go I go through that area all the time in the Ramble. Uh, it's, uh, there was a time many years ago it was considered uh, somewhat dangerous. It, it is now a haven for bird watchers. They're always there uh, with long lenses and, photo and cameras and, and stuff like that. So uh, th there is a reason that law is there uh, to protect the birds. All right, Vlad, what else have you got? I say again, I say again, you know, Anthony and Tony, Vlad, thank goodness that it's videotape. Thank goodness that there's videotape on both of these, these stories so you can see what is happening here. 
And, you know, Gail, to the point right. that all of you are making, we'll right uh, this is not the first time yes, we talked really. about Emmett Till, exactly. the Scottsboro Boys, the Trenton Six, yeah. Lena Barker, the Central Park Five. It's just exactly. happened in history over and over. Because she said African-American, I guess. That's why she's a racist piece of shit. I don't know. Because if you rewind the tape and she's a white lady and he's a black guy and he's she's saying, hey, you need to leash your fucking dog and he says, go fuck yourself, it would be played out on Gail King's show as white lady harasses black bird watcher who's also gay. I thought this was the big non-starter in the world, but they got her fired. There's even people online saying that she didn't even work for Templeton Strong, but because they thought it, or Franklin Templeton, or whatever the fuck the name of the company is, because they thought she did, and they didn't want to argue with people that she didn't, they literally just put out a statement, and she doesn't even work for them. But she got fired, because she said African American twice, after a black man threatened her and tried to lure her dog away. That's when I go, but you don't have a voice. You have no power. It feeds so well into the next story. But before we do, I I just gotta hit the reason these things happen are things like this. Molly Hemingsway, Pulitzer Prize winner appears to support how whites are allowed more freedom of thought than blacks. If you're white, you're allowed to be liberal or conservative. If you're black, you will be marginalized and demeaned unless you think the way the powers that be. She deleted it, but this is the 1619 Project head, Nicole Hannah-Jones. There's a difference between being politically black and being racially black. I'm not defending anyone, but we all know this and should stop pretending that we don't. No. We don't know this. I know all sorts of African-American conservatives that don't buy any of your bullshit. They don't follow what white liberal elitists tell them to do because they're actually strong, opinionated, normal people just like us in the middle of the country. They have their own beliefs. They don't need to be told when to shit, how to think. They don't think any of this stuff. But when you're fed this 24 fucking 7 on cable news... It makes so much sense why this lady gets killed in the Minnesota subject we're about to touch. Here's uh, Mitchell, the Joker, just whinging. Biden is so good with blacks because there's a D behind his name. That's it. You know, never mind that he incarcerated people. Never mind any of that shit. It's D. It's not blackness. It's not melanin. It's just the D that makes you a good black person. And then Clyburn... Really not pushing back on the you ain't black. It, it's just really kind of a wince. Like, uh, it was unfortunate. You know, Jonathan, I, I still am thinking about the Italian mayors cussing at people and telling them <laughs> to stay home. You know, they took it very seriously in Italy, and they locked that country down. First part of it, and then all of it. And they have far fewer deaths than we do. And, and what mm-hmm. Donald Trump has done is not worked. Look at this death toll. It's shocking and horrifying. Your thoughts? Black voters vote for Democrats in overwhelming numbers, and then the Democratic Party and the Democratic candidates 
they take for granted, they build it into their number plan that they're already going to get those votes. And so there isn't a ne necessarily an urgency to offer something. That's why I opened my questioning with Kareem the way I did, is that, you know, overwhelmingly white voters vote for Republicans, but they still make them an offer. They're like, well, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, this is what Donald Trump was very clear. I'm, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to get rid of these brown immigrants. And so there, there is, it, there's a disconnect between the two parties. You Presidential campaign, uh, poked its head up uh, this week uh, in suddenly uh, almost rivaling, rivaling, at least for an hour or two, the headlines on the virus. And it was all thanks to this exchange that Joe Biden had uh, with The Breakfast Club. Take a listen. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see... Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting rack 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. Andrew Mitchell, I want to put up on screen that the Trump campaign is already spending a million dollars in digital ads, trying to take advantage of this. They're selling T-shirts um, with a hashtag on it. Uh, I, I don't know whether that is showing a Trump campaign that is nimble or a Trump campaign that is searching for anything to chip away at Joe Biden. They're searching for anything negative, and they are nimble, and far more nimble than Biden. The Biden campaign was taking credit for having responded around 3.30 Friday afternoon, but that interview was taped the night before. They really wasted way too much time, and uh, the African-American Biden supporters my head on uh, my program at noon just lashed out about it that no white person no white politician should tell any black person uh, what it is to be black uh, the fact though is that the biden people i think correctly point out that donald trump's record on race relations is is so awful compared to joe biden's but joe biden shouldn't be reaching back to the crime bill where he is vulnerable or the voting rights act he should be talking now right. to african-americans and particularly to millennial black people clavard welcome to the view sir uh you heard this exchange that was played uh i always think it's a mistake when folks go on to shows and think they're home think they're talking to friends and stuff because they just go out on a on it on an edge so when you heard this what what was your response to to the comments well first of all let me thank you very much for having me uh i, I cringe no question about that it's kind of interesting though you know salman all in all is from uh south carolina as well uh in fact he and my wife my late wife share the same hometown monks corner we hung out together last uh, homecoming at South Carolina State. So I know him very well. I know what his job is. His job is to push the buttons, and he does that very well. I, in this instance, uh, Joe uh, did not um, uh, do as well as I had hoped in responding. But I will say this. I go about my business every day comparing Joe Biden to the alternative not the almighty he is not a perfect person none of us are uh so what my decision now is to determine uh who i feel uh it should be the next president of the united states uh, and i do that by comparing the candidates uh to each other not to the almighty 
So, so, Congressman, Joe Biden said that he shouldn't have, this is, these are his words uh, in his apology bit, basically. He shouldn't have been so cavalier, he said, during the interview. Like what he says, he probably, you know, he was on home, he's talking. Um, he does not take the black vote for granted, he said. Uh, so, uh, what do you say to African-American um, voters who feel that they have been offended by this remark? Well, how do you, what do you say to them? Well, what I just said, look, he's not a perfect person. All of us have misspoken. Uh, I, I'm a great admirer of Whoopi Goldberg. I, I, I've loved her for a long, long time. I can remember a few times when um, uh, she uh, was a little bit skittish and, and apologized in her own way uh, for saying things. I do it all the time. And so we sometimes say things uh, we do not really mean. They come out a little bit wrong. And that's what happened here. I think all of us know Joe Biden. I've said that. I know him. And he knows me. He knows the African-American community very well. I've done a lot of stuff with Joe Biden over the years. And I would not have supported him uh, if I did not think uh, he was best suited to be the next president of the United States. Just that simple. Whip Clyburn, um, your endorsement of Vice President Biden and the subsequent voting by black women. Campaigning from his basement or back porch has its drawbacks, denying Biden the retail politics he relishes. And he can get rusty, like this misstep with radio host Charlemagne Lagarde last week. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Biden did pivot by apologizing and drawing attention to the president's record on race, including his early support for the birther movement against Barack Obama. Donald Trump has, uh, this is the same man who called Africa, uh, you know, an asshole countries, while also claiming there was, uh, there were fine people on both sides in Charlottesville. Yeah, that's how people get all fired the fuck up. And before I even go into the Minnesota, incident, which up front was horrible. What the police did was totally wrong. They all got fired, so I think the justice was served because there was no need to put their knee on their head that long. I mean, I understand he was a dickhead. I understand he was fucking, he was resisting arrest. None of that's on camera. It's never on camera. It's always just the heinous thing that happens at the end. There's no need for all this craziness over it. What he did was wrong, but it's an election year. So right on cue, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo do their show handoff circle jerk. And of course, blame Trump for it. How many more excuses do you need to make before you examine yourself and say, okay, maybe I need to wake up a little bit and take a good long look at what, what I've been doing. Maybe I need to understand or realize that the environment that this president has trafficked in can help to lead to these sorts of situations where people think that that sort of behavior, meaning the people who are doing these things, the people who are um, calling the cops on people falsely in Central Park, the people who are chasing people down the street in Georgia and killing them, that you may begin to think that your actions are normal, are normal. That you may begin to think that you, as the preeminent voice, can do things that are inhumane to other people, and it will be accepted. 
The game was given away. The woman in Central Park said, I'm calling the cops and going to say that this scary black man did something to me, knowing that the cops would come there and probably be on her side and not his. And that's the meme that's going around that. right now with the cops, with the black kid on the ground saying hello to the white guy in camo with the AK-47 and the mask who was protesting in Michigan. That when it's white people with guns and they're out and they're angry and their faces with cops. Didn't see any of that. Everybody's civil. Didn't um, see any of that. But, but flag burning, spitting in police officers' faces, yelling, yelling at police officers armed armed with heavy weaponry didn't see any of that did you see anybody with their foot on anybody's no, neck? i mean you know you've heard of people make make it a joke but it's it's funny because it's it's tragic and sad if black people said let's all go out and get guns and start the protest that would be the fastest change of gun law culture in this country yeah if you started to have african americans buying up ar-15s or whatever you want to call them and going out and protesting legally with legal weapons, you'd see a change in the laws. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. that That's what we do on all these cases. But it's about justice. It's about people being abused. No, it's not. It's about politics. To an article, wildly shared viral video shows the moment a Minneapolis police officer kneels on the neck of a motionless, groaning man on the street. The man who is reportedly suspect of forgery in progress can be heard telling the officers he cannot breathe. The man later dies. What happened in the video, as highlighted by CBS News... The incident took place on Monday night. The unnamed officer responds to a call of a forgery in progress where he encounters a suspect. Video of the incident begins by showing the suspect on the ground with the officer's knee on his suspect's neck. Please, I can't breathe. The officer does not remove his knee despite the man's pleas. My stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. The moaning suspect can be heard saying, I need water or something. Please, 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 I can't breathe. I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. The man's nose reportedly begins to bleed, and he groans some more. Onlookers can be heard in the background of the video pleading with the officer. He's not resisting arrest or nothing. One male can be heard saying, you're enjoying it. Look at you, your body language, you bum. You know that's bogus right now. A nearby female can be heard pleading with the officer to check the now unresponsive man's pulse. Shortly afterward, an ambulance arrives and takes away the suspect. Another male could be heard saying, you just really killed that man, bro. What are the police saying? A statement from the department reads, officers advised that the suspect was sitting on top of a blue car and appeared to be under the influence. Two officers arrived and located the suspect. A male believed to be in his 40s in his car. He was ordered to step from the car. After he goes out, he physically resisted officers. Officers were able to get the suspect into handcuffs and noted he appeared to be suffering medical distress. Officers called for an ambulance. The statement pointed out that while the man later died, at no time were weapons of any type used by involved in the incident. What else? The FBI is joining the Minneapolis Police Department investigating the incident. From what I've heard, they fired these guy, the guy that did it. He's been terminated pending an investigation. But subsequently, even though they did the right thing, they took to the streets. I'm going to play just some protest sounds. There'll be a break. The next soundbite will be Target being looted. Target. Because Target is the police department?
For those who are new to the show, I participated in the L.A. riots. I was on 103rd and Grandine, the Martin Luther King shopping mall, and what I saw in that Target was exactly what I saw in Villa the Boys, Radio Shack, just carnage. Just destroying shit to destroy it. Surprisingly, soda section was straight up. There was nothing fucked up in the soda section. Never made any sense to me. But, just trashed. Just fucking trashed. And by nightfall, because I saw this last night as I was going to sleep, totally expected it's typical. We're going to burn our own shit down. This morning, this building's still on fire. Don't know why you did it. The fucking cops did the right thing. They're addressing it. They're not covering it up. L.A. Oh, and by the way, in the Minnesota riots, they were in the police compound trashing cars. And the police were just letting them do it. Not doing anything. That's part of the video package I just played. Literally throwing shit at police cars. It was okay. Nobody stopped it. But by morning, it had gone to L.A. where cops that had nothing to do with this, nothing, they were getting their cars smashed and trashed by Black Lives Matter. Oh, shit. I don't have a soundbite. I had a helicopter soundbite, which isn't the same thing. But they were literally trashing, just trashing the fucking shit out of cop cars that had nothing to do with this. Nothing. And why do I cover it? I cover it because that's what always happens in these incidents. This is what, this is the way it all works. It is cops do something wrong. Police departments get on it quickly now because they don't want another fucking, they don't want a Rodney King. They don't want a Michael Brown. They don't want any of these Ferguson bullshits anymore. But it's not good enough. Then it becomes all cops. Then they go after everybody. And they start trashing cops all over the country. There was Memphis had a rollout SWAT to break up the bullshit that happened there. And what did Memphis have to do with it? Did Memphis kill anybody? Did Memphis abuse any African Americans? No. It's not about the cops. It's about these people who want anarchy. They don't want to be ruled. They don't want to be pulled over. They don't want to be fucked with when they're riding dirty. But all you have to do is watch Live PD every fucking weekend. And it's the demographics of our country. There's just as many white people getting busted for meth, weed, drunk driving, stealing, as there are African Americans. Except for Columbia, South Carolina, where the population's 80% African American and they're fucking shit up all the time. Running from police because they have a warrant. Trashing people's property because they had a warrant and they don't listen to what the cops say. So they have to get snatched. Whereas if you just did what the fuck you were told, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have that problem. But what are we to do? When here's that Boyenga guy, he was trending on Twitter after Jimmy Fallon, and he's the guy from Star Wars, and he goes on a screed about white people. In the street, stateside, again, while saying that he can't breathe. That's a continuous cycle going on, and although I don't live in the States, but I'm black. Fuck that. So I say it again, fuck you racist white people. I said what I said, and if you don't fucking like it, 
Go suck a dick. Seriously. It's not about career. It's not about money. Because a lot of people like, like to bring that up. Oh, career, um, 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 money, all these things. Those, all, all those things were just a part of my dream, just a part of working. That's got nothing to do with how you treat people. It's a madness. So when I say it, I mean it. And, I, and you, you lot can't rattle me. That's another thing, you can't rattle me. I'm not the guy to be rattled. I wasn't raised by no weak people, you understand? I ain't a guy to be rattled. So first of all, you're gonna respect black people online and make sure if you come in on all my pictures or videos and you saying anything about no black people, you saying any racist shit, that's straight up blocked. It's fine, it's ready. Don't need you on my page. And if you're a fan of me and you support my work and you're racist and you're arguing with what I was saying, fuck off, you fucking dickheads. Yeah? So I straight up like that. Now the problem is because we have this pumped in our head and quadraphonic every day. Everything is racist. Do you really think the cop did it because he was black? No, the cop was probably pissed because the motherfucker hit him or did something. He was fired up. He's a human being. He snatched that motherfucker up. And because he wasn't listening to Ten Commands, he said, fuck you, you're going to stay there. He didn't purposely kill him. He probably wasn't even paying attention to what he said. Is it wrong? Yeah. Does he deserve to lose his job? Yeah. You don't have the temperament of you're going to fucking choke somebody out with your knee. That's probably a little far. But it's always default racism. Lady in the Park, probably as liberal as every one of these. She's probably been part of cancel culture. But she said African-American. And you can't say African-American. And she said it because she was scared because this man got up in her shit. Nobody ever said, why is he the fucking leash police? Why is he making such a big deal out of this? He can go bird watch anywhere. But he fucked with this lady. She pushed back and she made the cardinal skin of saying what he is, an African-American. That's now racist. If you don't say they're African-American, you're racist. If you say it, you're racist. If you say this, you're racist. When everything is fucking racist... What the fuck are you supposed to do? Because it's beyond police. It's beyond the real racist out there. We have a culture in America that has propagated a whole generation of people that every white person is racist. Every white person is a Nazi. Every white person owned a slave. Whether you were here or not, you're part of slavery. Give me my money. Because we talk about reparations all the time. So you get what you get like this. I mean, nursing homes with high numbers of black and Latinx residents twice as likely to be hit by COVID. But in our previous section, it was gay people getting killed in nursing. No, 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 it's our grievance group. Because everybody wants to be a grievance group. Color Correct, a nine-year-old's more than peach campaign, meets its match in Crayola Color World, and they're coming out with colors that regardless of what crayon does... It won't be right. They'll be called racist for trying to do the right thing. It won't matter. Because we're a grievance. Next headline. A disproportionate number of black business owners are out of work amid the pandemic. Doesn't matter that 70% of this country is white. So that would mean the majority of businesses that are out of business would probably be white. No, 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 no. Disproportionate black. 
Well, maybe don't put your business in downtown New York where the coronavirus is killing motherfuckers like the plague. Yeah, your business is going to be out of business. Don't put your fucking business in a blue state where they want to make politics out of this. Maybe that's where you should start. Maybe it's not racism. But you get the people, they bow. They have to bow. Everybody has to bow. The Jimmy Fallon, I gotta bow. Crayons, gonna change the crayon colors, but yet we're still gonna get bashed because, well, that isn't my skin. Or that's white skin. Or that's light black skin. Or the dark's too dark. I mean, you'll never be right. Because it isn't about the crayons. It's about... We have power over other people. Twitter gave us power. We can call everything racist, everything homophobia, everything sexist, even though that all gets jumbled up with the transgender shit and everybody's fucking confused, including the people screaming that it's racist, homophobic, and transgenders, or transphobic. We have power. But then you have a real Nazi, a real racist, like Omar... And she goes to ABC, no anti-Semitism, no questions whatsoever about marrying her brother, 85 husbands, so she can work around the goddamn fucking immigration laws. No, they just do it straight up like she's part of the squad. She's a hero. This weekend, you were quoted in a London paper saying you believed Tara Reid, who was accused former vice president, of course, of sexual assault. But you also said yesterday in a tweet that believing survivors of sexual assault is consistent with your values. But you also made a point of noting that the interview was done weeks ago. So the question today is, do you still believe Tara Reid? Well, first off, let me say I plan and plan on supporting um, and helping the DP uh, Joe Biden in defeating Trump. I think this is one of the most important elections of our lifetime and we all have to do everything that we can to restore our democracy and instill hope uh, in, in what's possible. I also think that it's important for us to create a space where we allow for survivors to come forward uh, and that has been consistent with, with my values and I think we can do both. All right, but do you believe what she's saying is true? There's obviously um, parts of what she has said that has been cooperated, parts of it that hasn't. That is not my place to litigate um, that, that her story. I think it is important when somebody says they have been uh, assaulted and they see themselves as survivors uh, that we, um, as we have been saying, believe survivors. I mean, I have a Spanish soundbite that literally Univision, Ramos, saying that Ted Cruz is a race traitor. Yeah, race traitor. Because it's not about ethnicity. It's about ideology. This is all about ideology. And with the Minnesota, LA, the fucking park, power I mean why do they riot every time and burn down their own shit why do you do that that is the dumbest thing ever I left the LA riots with the un African Americans in my platoon 
freaking Latina. I would have gone and burned white people's shit. If you're that angry at white people, go burn their shit. But no, you burn your shit down. Which is the dumbest thing in the world. And you loot because you're a fucking thug. Stealing everything out of... Stealing flat screen TVs out of Target has nothing to do with the cops killing a black man. It has to do with you. That's what it has to do with. And if I was an African American, and I know you're not supposed to say this, because it makes me instantly racist, I'd be knocking some fucking heads of the idiots that just made things worse. But there's a polar opposite to my argument. And that argument is the Ferguson effect, which we played on the show a million times. I won't play it. But I think that's the plan of Black Lives Matter. You get these incidents, you blow shit up, you try to get some netnoid bullshit that the entire police force is a bunch of racist motherfuckers. And the police back off. Then you get pissed off a year later when there's so many murders that you don't know what to do with it. And old black ladies like I met in the riot who walked with a gun in their purse every day just to go get groceries would thank my white pasty ass and tell me this is the safest I felt in 20 years. In her neighborhood. I had an African American friend in the army used to always say it. Maybe a motherfuckers didn't act like idiots and tear shit up. We wouldn't have cops in our neighborhood. Maybe that would be the... There's no cops in my neighborhood. And that's the theory, isn't it? That they only take care of white communities? I never see a cop. They don't patrol my area because they don't have to. There's no crime. They patrol where there's crime. So maybe don't commit crime and cops won't be up in your business. But when you're riding dirty and tearing shit up, what the fuck, Chuck? To liberal shit. You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit. The first pill is mifeprestone. That one you can take right away. And the second one is misoprotzol, and that one you have to wait after 24 hours. And the side effects are heavy bleeding, cramping, um, nausea, vomiting. And maybe dizziness? Thank you. Then maybe you should, um, wait to take that pill until after I come back from Rudy's. Oh, I already took it. What? This is you on the pill? Oh my god. I'd be totally green by now if I were you. The one time I took it, I got so sick. I literally had to curl up in bed with Caldo for two days, almost three. Okay, well, I have a rock for a stomach, so... <sighs> well, and just because I'd be a shitty sister if I didn't ask, 
You for sure don't want to tell Baco. Why would I tell Baco? Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah, that's a TV show where they're just taking a abortion pill and it's the coolest thing ever just to kill a baby conveniently. And then our money shot comes in. CBS News abortion access reporter marks anniversary of her first big scoop. The fight over license in Missouri. As you might know, CBS News is a reporter dedicated to the abortion access beat. According to her Twitter bio, it's Kate Smith. We recently covered her when she asked, can you blame them after knowing the frustration of the voices of Justice Ginsburg, Sotomayor, and Kagan while hearing a case about birth coverage. Two months ago, they heard a case that would effectively gut Roe v. Wade. Today, they're hearing a case that could strip hundreds of thousands of women of the birth control coverage. We don't support CBS News as a reporter dedicated to pro-life issues. No, now Smith is revisiting her first big scoop, the last abortion provider in Missouri losing its license. Missouri Health Department announced 2019 that we're not going to renew Planned Parenthood of St. Louis license to perform abortions, which was set to expire May 31st. The Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services had claimed there were deficiencies at the clinic and they refused to correct them because they have laws and shit. Her tweets. A year ago today was my first big scoop on the abortion access beat. The license from Missouri, last remaining abortion provider, was in jeopardy, and the state would become the first without a clinic that provides the procedure. We're still waiting for a decision on the license. As always, important to note that during the year-long battle over the license, abortion access in Missouri has not been interrupted, however. Nearly all Planned Parenthood patients now opt to go to the organization's new facility across the border in Illinois. Here's a story that kicked off that become a year-long battle over Planned Parenthood St. Louis. It's a good excuse to re-up this piece I helped produce, a first-hand look at what it's like to get an abortion in a state that heavily restricts access to procedures. It's a rare look at how abortion regulations actually impact patients. Everybody in the world, why does CBS employ an abortion cheerleader? A year later, and we're still waiting for CBS News to explain why they have an abortion enthusiast. Because then it breaks. Planned Parenthood directors admit under oath that they sold aborted baby parts. 16 unsealed excerpts of sworn video testimony from Planned Parenthood executives was released yesterday by the Center for Medical Progress, which shows in their own words that Planned Parenthood was involved in obtaining donations of fetal tissue organs from women having abortions only to illegally sell it to middleman organ procurement companies for profit. The video testimony was presented in court during a trial last fall in a case brought by PPFA against the CMP members who was involved in the undercover investigation and Planned Parenthood's sale of aborted baby parts. Among the defendants was Troy Newman, president of the Operation Rescue, who served as CMP board member at the time of the investigation. From the beginning, we had been prevented from discussing evidence incriminating Planned Parenthood due to a gag order issued by the court. This allowed only Planned Parenthood false narrative to reach the public. In fact, the truth about Planned Parenthood's illegal baby parts trade has been suppressed for 20 years since Mark Crutcher of Life Dynamics Incorporated conducted the first investigation on this subject in 2000. Now, with the unsealing of this testimony and other evidence, the truth is finally out. One particularly incriminating exchange was during the video testimony of Tram Young, Nyung, N-G-U-I-E-N, Abortion Center Administrator for Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast. She was asked by defense counsel about an email stream between her and the regional medical and surgical service director of PPGC. 
Yun agreed in the email exchange that she wanted to move forward with an attached contract that would have paid PPGC $750 per fetal liver and $1,600 per fetal liver thymus pair. Planned Parenthood has publicly lied to Congress and the media since 2015 by telling them they had rebuffed this contract. And that was not only contract Planned Parenthood lied about. While publicly claiming that it only received reimbursements for hard cost, Planned Parenthood was actually raking in handsome profits at a number of its abortion facilities and other recently released evidence proves. Last month, newly unsealed invoices showed detailed billing for aborted baby remains from nine abortion facilities operated by Planned Parenthood Mar Monte, a California affiliate, totaling nearly $25,000 in just three months. Of the nine facilities, the San Jose Planned Parenthood Clinic was by far the most profitable, raking in $8,200 for a total of 157 specimens labeled POC, Products of Conception. I'm surprised they even acknowledge there is a thing called conception. In December 2017, two California companies, DV Biologics and Da Vinci Bioscience, admitted guilt and agreed to pay nearly $8 million to settle a civil case brought by the Orange County District Attorney Office for illegally trafficking aborted baby tissues and organs procured exclusively from Southern California PP offices. The two companies were also ordered to shut down, but in miscarriage of justice, Planned Parenthood escaped prosecution. Why wasn't this admission of guilt used against Planned Parenthood? Because of significantly political power over corrupt politicians and nearly every level of government has shielded Planned Parenthood for consequences for decades, said Newman. That political corruption must be exposed and rooted out. The CMP defendants lost the court case where the video testimony was presented and were ordered to pay a combined judgmented total of a million dollars to Planned Parenthood, all for daring to expose their criminal conduct. Newman's attorney with the American Center for Law and Justice are now petitioning for a new trial. Meanwhile, criminal referrals issued by both the House Select Committee panel on infant lives and the Senate Judiciary Committee in 2016 opened an FBI investigation that has dragged on without resolution. Lindsey Graham and Chuck Grassley sent a letter to Attorney General Barr on June 18, 2019, seeking an update on the progress of the investigation. But there was zero response. Mounting public evidence, which has been sealed until now, clearly shows that Planned Parenthood broke the law. The truth can no longer be hidden or denied. I called on the Department of Justice to complete their investigation of Planned Parenthood illegal trafficking and aborted baby parts and lying to Congress. Planned Parenthood must be held accountable for their criminal conduct. In addition to testimony from Young, the newly released video excerpts of testimony for the following witnesses. Deborah Nakatola former Senior Director of Medical Services, Planned Parenthood Federation of America, Mary Goddard, former Medical Director, Council President, Dorothy Ferguson, former Chief Medical Officer, Linda Tracy, Advanced Biosense Resource, who provided third-party testimony about Planned Parenthood contracts. You can actually visit the videos online. But we were told those videos were doctored. I thought we were told they were doctored. Once again, if Planned Parenthood was privately funded, I would give less than two fucks. But we fund them ghouls. And those ghouls use 
your tax dollars to harvest products of conception or clumps of cells. That says a lot about our society and our media, that that's buried. Why do we not hear this in the mainstream press? Anybody out there can explain it? Why? Michigan State University claims using family photos as virtual backgrounds constitutes bias. <laughs> the coronavirus pandemic has limited colleagues' colleagues' ability to stay connected. Video conferencing, blah, blah, it's good. With technology glitches, poor connections, and other errors that off occurred during online video calls, professors have stepped up to compl- complicate students' best outlet of communication. On May 14th, Michigan State University published an article highlighting claims from MSU professor Amy Bonami and University of Colorado interim vice chancellor for diversity and inclusion, Nelia Viveros, that there exists an unconscious bias in video conferencing meetings. The pair argues that these settings are a particular ripe environment for people to unintentionally practice prejudice or stereotyping. Barreros and Bamami claim that common vessels for bias during video conference calls are virtual meeting backgrounds such as family photos or icebreaker questions that can serve to reinforce dominant social norms or minoritized co-workers. Bonomi adds that microaggressions are now communicated in virtual meetings just as they are in person. Unconscious bias includes using language, symbolism, and nonverbal cues that reinforce normative social identities with respect to gender, race, sexual preference, and socioeconomic status. For example, when the virtual background of a Zoom meeting attendee has a picture of his or her wedding, it unintentionally reinforces the idea that marriage is most fitting between opposite sexes. Oh, really? (laughs) It's not just my picture. In a recent video conference, we were asked the most fun thing you've done with your family during quarantine. Participants answered range from gardening with my husband to dance parties with my family, Faroe said. MSU article explained that sharing these types of experience crowd out the experience of people with minoritized social identities. And then asking about fun family things prevents several Latinx attendees from sharing their experiences of losing family members to the coronavirus. Because it's only Latino dying now. Well, I thought it was blacks. Wait a minute, I thought it was gays. In order to mitigate the impact of brand of bias, MSU offers students some suggestions. Be conscious of your virtual environment and what it might symbolize. It's unlikely that a face-to-face meeting participants be seated in front of a wall of family photos. While virtual backgrounds may be a way for participants to express themselves, it's important to understand who is being excluded and included with these types of actions. Sweet God! They are stretching. They pulled a hammy on that shit. That's a fucking full-fledged hamstring pull. What the fuck, Chuck? What the actual fuck does that mean? Only Latino died. Really. And because I'm a heterosexual and I show my picture, I'm telling gay people you can't get married. Really? 
That's your inference. But it's easy to understand. I'm stolen. UCLA libertarian antichrist wants to ban homeschooling, charter schools. CLA lecturer says he wants to ban both homeschooling and charter schools and has no problem because being characterized as an authoritarian. Or is Joseph Stalin himself? Shalal Ben Ephraim, who goes by Professor Professorson on Twitter, took to social media platform to join the Reese's chorus of higher education elites who say we shouldn't homeschool. Here's his tweet. I'm for banning home and charter school, mandating taxes from rich areas be spent on education in poor areas, and raising the salaries of teachers everywhere. I want the less fortunate in this country to have a chance at a great education. If that makes me authoritarian, I'm stalling. As the government's response to coronavirus crisis caused many Americans to homeschool, the previously public school children, Harvard Law Professor Elizabeth Barthol came out with a call to place a ban on what she called authoritarian practice of homeschooling. And we already covered that. It's about, we don't want religion. That would be horrible. They can't get the gay shit shoved in their melon. Yeah. His next tweet, so apparently I have embraced my new role in the libertarian antichrist. Please provide me with status talking points. Efren seemed to revel in the backlash from his tweets, sending out several subsequent tweets referencing libertarians that he said he angered at one point, even dubbing himself the libertarian antichrist. In a statement to Campus Reform, Ben Ephraim doubled down on his statements, stating clearly, I firmly believe that the public school system should be strengthened even at the expense of parent choice. The reason being that it is a human right to have access to good education regardless of the means. In order to achieve this, I believe that all of us as a society should give our all to strengthen the public school system. Instead of opting out through alternatives, our tax money and efforts should be out in the system containing everyone and benefiting everyone. If everyone was invested in our system, rich and poor, everyone would pull together and improve it. Here's the dealio, coolio. My kids are long gone. They're in their 30s, for fuck's sake. I still pay taxes for school. We are putting our money into the public space. And these same people that are homeschooling are still paying taxes. They still pay taxes. Nothing changes because they homeschool. There's no opt-out of property taxes. And property taxes pay local schools in most areas. So your argument is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever said, I've ever heard, but you're only doing it because you don't want that avenue of brainwashing taken away from you. You guys need it. It's where you push everything's racist, gayness. We should be socialist. I mean, this is your your thing, man. That's what the left loves about schools and colleges. You get to ram your bullshit into impressionable minds and take the parenting out. Because I had a soundbite I was going to play a couple podcasts ago that it is not the parents' right to raise their kids. It's the state. That's Hillary Clinton. She truly believes that. And so do the rest of these fucking wackadoodles. So. That's our 
liberal shit. We're now going to go into lighter fare, and this is America on this section, and then we'll go back and do the other section on B today. We're flipping it up. Because I think this is America sets us up really well for our politics. So, this soundbite for a lighter fare is a T-1000. That's right, actor Robert Patrick at the White House. And actor Robert Patrick, who's been in many films and television shows, I know that well, most notably as T-1000 and Terminator 2. That's not too bad, huh? You're looking good. You're looking good, Robert. I want to especially recognize the legendary MVETS writers who made the Rolling to Remember possible for 32 years. Rolling Thunder, my friends, carried out a ride of remembrance, and now uh, we're going to continue that onward. And the Rolling Thunder people were terrific. Artie and everybody, they really were. We had a good relationship with them. You know that, right? Say You're going to say hello to my Artie. And I heard they were giving him a hard That, of course, was Rolling Thunder, which he participates in. It was pretty badass, and I thought it was pretty funny with people going, hey, there's a T-1000 on the South Lawn. The other lighter fare, I'm not going to read it, but it's, I didn't think this was real. It was an ad on one of the websites. This lickable screen can recreate almost any taste or flavor without eating food, and it is creepy as fuck. You can say pizza chicken. You could say burger lasagna, and it will let you lick it, and it puts off that taste, which makes every sci-fi movie I've ever seen seem more real than it actually <laughs> was. Do you want a lighter fare? Or, sorry, this is America. And I do this now. I usually don't put this on the... I put it on the last episode. But this is amazing, because it kind of surmises what I bitch about in the political section. Story goes, the hour hosted by anchor Alicia Menendez, the daughter of ethnically challenged Bob Menendez, were heavily on Democratic guests who she actually pressed from the left on appealing to radical Democratic base and advocates for illegal immigration. On Saturday afternoon, this was last Saturday, during the 4 p.m. Eastern time block that she hosts, Menendez gave Biden campaign advisor Julia Chavez Rodriguez, a forum to react to the criticism against Biden when asked about the enthusiasm gap among younger voters, the advisor touted Biden's a Catholic. He's a man of faith. He's someone whose leadership is really guided by that, and that's something that really speaks to our families. He's also someone who was a single father, raised two boys as a single parent. Biden was a single parent for about five years. 
and she omits that he's for live birth abortion. So he's not the greatest Catholic on the fucking planet. In fact, cardinals have said he can't get communion. So I call it bullshit. And it pairs well with the New York Post coming out and literally saying to the media, they put out an op-ed editorial board. And when we go into our politics, the New York Times editorial board, Jesus Christ, what they did for Memorial Day, just it, it out-voxed Vox because we have a Vox one too. But the New York Post said, in the media, it's not about you. This isn't about you or your beliefs or what you think. That's not what journalism is. But, yeah, they they decided <clears throat> it is about them. And this soundbite sums up a journalist, supposedly, who doesn't want to put out facts or be even objective. They just want to put out propaganda. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Actually, there are policies, there is messaging, and then there is the investment that a campaign actually makes in outreach to these communities. You've seen the polling. I don't even think you've had your first official day on the job, Julie, so thank you for spending this time with us. But when you start on Monday, you are going to be looking at poll after poll, and you're going to see what, what we all know, which is that there is a lot of excitement for the vice president among older white voters, and there is still an enthusiasm gap when it comes to some of the core support that Democrats are going to need in order for Vice President Biden to win in November. So how do you activate those members of the electorate? Well, I think, you know, you raise a really important point, um, and it's really going to take a broad coalition of voters to win in November, and we know that. Um, we know that, you know, that's how we've won in the past, and we're excited about bringing that back together. Um, I think it's important, you know, for the Latino community as an example, um, it's important that they know who Joe Biden is and that we have an opportunity to really share with them that there's a lot of shared values there. You know, he's a Catholic. He's a man of faith. He's someone whose leadership is really guided by that. Um, and that's something that really speaks to our families. Um, he's also, you know, someone who was a single father, um, raised two boys as a single parent. Um, so these are important aspects of who he is personally. And then we'll continue to talk about the policies that he's, um, you know, continuing to champion and will put forward for our communities, um, like investing in, you know, HBCUs and in um, Hispanic serving institutions to ensure that we are, um, you know, doing what we can to make our workforce ready and make sure that it's a diverse workforce that reflects our country. So these are just some of the policies well, and some a- of the work that he's done. There's also been a commitment to a comprehensive immigration proposal with a pathway to citizenship on day one. As you know, immigration groups have been burnt by promises like this before. What will the vice president actually do to get this done? The Trump administration continues to push for more immigration restrictions amid the coronavirus pandemic. The administration indefinitely extended border restrictions 
which authorized the immediate removal of immigrants even seeking asylum to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. Migrant children are bearing the brunt of harsher restrictions, as reports show unaccompanied migrant children have been deported at quicker rates. And immigrants in family ICE detention centers have reportedly had to choose between releasing their children or staying together in detention indefinitely. Reports of that process caused House Democratic lawmakers, including Congressman Joaquin Castro, to send a letter urging the Trump administration to answer vital questions on that family separation process by May 28th. I'd like to welcome Texas Congressman and Chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, Joaquin Castro. Congressman, we've read a lot about this policy called binary choice, where these parents are being asked to make what is an impossible decision, whether they really release their child without them or they stay in, in detention facilities with them where they know that the spread of COVID-19 is a real threat. What are the questions that you want answered from the administration? Yeah, you're right. I mean, all indications are that ICE is forcing uh, this uh, ungodly choice on parents of uh, either keeping the kids with them or separating them uh, during this pandemic. And so we want to know whether the federal government is following uh, the Flores decision of years ago and is acting consistent with law. Uh, but this is really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's going on. If yeah. you think about it, uh, very few times in American history has the United States closed itself off to the world the way the Trump administration has closed us off at this point. What I mean by that is that right now, Nobody can naturalize. In other words, you can't become a citizen. Nobody can get a green card. No asylum seekers who are in desperate situations can have their asylum claims processed. And uh, people are being summarily deported, uh, even asylum seekers, without any due process of law. And it looks like the administration wants to keep those restrictions in place indefinitely. Uh, so you can imagine that we have a mountain of questions for President Trump and his administration. Well, I would add to what you just laid out that there's also now reporting from the New York Times that there are unaccompanied children at the border who are being sent back to their country of origin without so much as someone telling their parents or family members that they're being sent back such that they can make plans for receiving them. What does it tell you that that and what is happening in detention facilities is happening at the same time in the middle of a pandemic? It is what we say CNN and MSNBC have always been post-Obama. It's what our media decided to do. They got the candidate they always wanted. And, you know, we're not going to cover it. We're not going to cover facts. We're just going to cover our propaganda. I had a whole section on the Trump tweet, but a Sonny McFussy face, McSunny face, sorry, Remember when they fact-checked Obama transparency, false comments about Obamacare? No, they didn't do that, did they? And that's all I'm going to say about that, because that was in my This Is America section, too. Because it's just heinous that they would do it. Plus, I like the tie-in of starting the podcast with the guy integrity and ending the podcast with that. But, you know. But I think what I can end on and what will take us into the next segment of this podcast is the simple fact that Twitter, the media, there are two standards, and the standards are Democrat, and their standards are Republican, because Kathy Griffin, once again, wanted to get some attention, 
It's a pandemic. She's probably hiding in her house because she believes the liberal media and think Trump's going out there and injecting people with COVID because that's what he does. She retweeted Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta, Trump at Diabetes event at White House. I don't use insulin. Should I be? And he was trying to knock him. Well, she decided to insinuate murder the president. Syringe with nothing but air inside. It would do the trick. Fuck Trump. And then when pressed on it, because they didn't make her take it down. I sure did, fucker. Trump lied, people died. Washington Examiner. Kathy Griffin advocates for someone to stab Trump with a syringe full of air. An air embolism used by, caused by air getting into bloodstream could be fatal. Anthony Leonardo, a spokesperson for Twitter, probably the guy we featured in the beginning, tells me they will look into whether or not Kathy Griffin's tweet violated policy by inciting violence. Scott Moorfield. Hello, Secret Service. I'd like to report an incitement to murder. It's still up. And that sums up everything we bitch about on the show. And once again, not a Republican. I'm a conservative independent. Pretty much hate both parties. But when you have a media and social media that is so in the tank for the other, it's kind of scary. So... Going to play uh, a song on the way out, and that'll be the close of this. Make sure you download B, and we'll go straight in to our incredible media and their coverage of Memorial Day. A modern-day warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride.
Take it right onto the fridge and on the 